I've come to learn that it's an okay idea to have a backup life plan. I'll tell you why. Uh, very early on, I was pretty sure what direction my career was going to take. I knew what I was going to go to school to study. I knew what kind of professional I would be. I knew exactly what I would be doing when I got into that profession. I knew even the way I would dress in my profession. All of that came crashing down when I first learned and verified that professional wrestling was fake. You can laugh now. But that hurt me. Because in my young mind then, these guys, these good guys in particular, were fighting and doing the right thing, going up against all these talking trash, nonsense people dressed in funny costumes. And that was the way that I wanted to fight and do something good. But then I learned... Their fight wasn't real. And so I left the career of the squared circle and all its spandex costumes. And um, praise God. <laughs> and I think I made an okay choice. But I wonder, and I want you to stay with me here, if that's not how, that same um, sense of letdown, the same sense of uh, frustration even that I had is not the same way that many people who followed Jesus had. You see, a lot of people were for sure had come to realize this guy, must, Jesus, is the Messiah. He's the one we've been hoping for, the one we've been waiting for, the one that everyone's told us will, will come. And to be clear, we need to understand what essentially that meant for most people that we read about in Scripture, for them, Messiah was going to come and make everything right. And that sounds good. We all want somebody to come and make everything right. But in particular, Messiah would come. And in the days of Jesus, those people there, they were sure that Messiah would come and take care of our enemies. Take care of Rome. Put Rome in Rome's place so that we can live free and we can live in charge. When Messiah comes, that's the way things are going to be, so people thought. And so as Jesus is going around doing a few cool tricks and maneuvers off the top rope, people are thinking, that's the way. But then, then he starts talking this weird eating his body and drinking his blood. Ew? Really? I don't remember Messiah saying anything like that. And I hate to say my sister's name, so I won't, Brianna, um, but when she, was a, when she was a young kid, we were at a communion service one evening, and the preacher had done the preacher spill about the body and blood of Jesus and my young sister Brianna went to the altar crying. I don't want to eat Jesus' body. I don't want to drink his blood. 
Because it sounds like a weird thing to do, right? Even more serious than that, our ancient sisters and brothers in the early church, some of the criticism and the persecution that they suffered and endured was based on an understanding that other people had. These people are cannibals. Do you hear what they're doing? And they suffered because of that. And so when Jesus starts talking about those who follow me must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, I imagine that up to that point, there may have been a second thought here or there that somebody said, well, maybe this guy really isn't the one. Because, you know, other people have come and said they were the, the one. But then when he started speaking about that, they said, you know what? Mm-mm. I'm done. That's crazy talk. I'm done. And you would think, think that maybe Jesus would have said, guys, no way, guys, come on, that's not what I meant here. Stay with me. But he didn't say anything. let those people go, and he said that he was speaking words that were spiritual and words that were life. See, and what we understand about those words is that sometimes we get an image of our mind of the way life is supposed to be, and the way life is supposed to work out, and what my life is supposed to look like right now. And when we notice that that doesn't always follow suit with God's idea, We tend to do the same thing, don't we? Words are too hard for me. I'll just go my own way. Thank you very much. See, I think those people left Jesus, left his ministry, turned their back on him because they realized that he wasn't fighting for real. Let me say something to you, friends. First, sometimes, and I've met many people who think the same way, that God is not fighting for real. But God has fought, and God is fighting for us. God has fought, and God is fighting for us. Y'all with me? Now, here's the key. God fights in a different kind of way. I want you to register that. We are here today. Jesus could have been, he could have did what everybody wanted him to do. He could have tried to stand up to Rome and to anybody else and try to be this hero. And if he would have, he probably would have went down in history as another name in our books, as somebody who was just trying to do what everybody wanted him to do. But instead... He fought like God did. Because he did so, you and I are here today. We are here today because God fights differently. Are y'all with me? Repeat that with me. God fights differently. To be sure, there is a real fight to be had. These aren't just words. These aren't just thoughts in our mind. There is a real fight fight to be had. In our Ephesian uh, reading, it uses the word struggle. In some of your translations, when you go home and read it, it'll say wrestle. Yeah, wrestle. That struggle that we have, that wrestle 
that we have, that is a real fight. The, the, the image, I think, that's being given there with that word is, is, is sort of hand-to-hand combat. Hmm? Think of a soldier in a little grapple match with another. That's how Ephesians is painting the picture, that we have a struggle before us. It's a real fight. It's a real fight. We are part of that struggle. The trouble, though, I think we have is that we think our struggle is with each other. Now, not you all, because I know good church people always get along, don't they? But we think our struggle is with one another. I'll give you a great example. You ever heard that great advice? I've heard it plenty of times. There's two things you don't talk about in good company. Religion and politics. You know why we can't talk about those two things in good company? Because we don't know how to do it faithfully. We don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to let somebody else speak their mind and be okay with that, and then we speak our mind later. See, what you have to understand is that apparently, as I read through the four Gospels and think about Jesus' life, uh, religion and politics, that's all that man ever talked about. And we call ourselves Christians, little Christ, people who are trying to be like Jesus. So maybe we just don't know how to talk about those things faithfully. And that's why we feel like we can't do it. And since we can't do it, well, we'll just stop doing it. We'll just turn away. We won't even think about it. Very passive aggressively, right? But, and that's just one example. You know I could go on. Church people who always get along, right? The problem with that, the problem with just trying to push something aside, the problem with saying, you know what, you're just a crazy whatever, and I don't want to deal with you. I don't have time to deal with you. The problem with that is that we are called to live faithfully together. You see, by themselves, this chapter from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, it's the last chapter. And it's the last chapter of a letter that's been written. And it's almost like, a, you know, we're starting football season, right? It's almost like right before the guys head out the locker room to go play. It's that last... Hoorah, we're going to have. It's the coach pumping them up. It's the coach getting them ready to go play so they can play well and fight hard. But the rest of the letter is all that stuff we've been reading over the last several weeks about what? Living together. So it's really kind of funny that you end up a letter about living together with this fight that we have. But friends, the fight is not against each other. We need to remember that. It doesn't matter who they vote for. It doesn't matter what church they go to. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if they like hymns or they like guitars and their music. It doesn't matter because it's not us. Unfortunately, though, we've spent a lot of time making it about us. But part of living life together is figuring out how to live together faithfully. How can we live together Faithfully. That includes married life. That includes 
work life. That includes PTA life. That includes life with friends, life with enemies, life with in-laws. That includes life with preachers and life with people that you sit next to in church. It includes life with people you love and life with people that, well, at least you know God loves them. We are called to live life together faithfully. We're in a struggle because that's not always easy to do, is it? Don't point fingers, but it's not always easy to do. And the reason why I think that is is because we've been fighting the wrong way. We've been fighting the wrong way, and we've been fighting against each other. And I imagine that the first readers who are hearing this letter from Ephesians, as the writer is talking about the, the, um, the belt and the breastplate and the shoes and the shield and the helmet and the sword, in their mind they're thinking a Roman soldier. I, I think so. And they're thinking, yeah, I know that Roman soldier. I've seen it where I see what he He's done with that sword. I can't wait to get that sword from him and use it myself. See, we've been fighting the wrong way. Remember, I've already told you, God fights differently. And we, as people of God, then need to understand that we are called to fight differently as well. And that's why we have this list, these supplies, if you will, Fight the way God wants us to, with the belt of truth, the truth about who God is, the truth about God's faithfulness. There isn't a relationship in the world where truth is not important. The breastplate of righteousness, because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, the way God has justified us, we can set ourselves to do the right thing that God has called us to do. Feet, anything you can put on your feet to take you to peace. Wholeness of God is what so many of us are seeking, what so many of us are after. And the shield of faith, God is often portrayed as our shield protecting us. Our faith in God and who we know God is, what we know God has done for us. Take that helmet of salvation. Oh, we can think about that glorious morning because we know God has something arranged that is wonderful. But we can also remember what God has saved us from. And take that sword, that word of God, where God is leading us, where God is taking us. And with those weapons, we can fight the way God wants us to fight. Now, what you have to understand about that whole outfit is that all of it belongs to God. The truth of God, the righteousness of God, the peace of God, the faith in God, salvation from God, and the Word of God. And so many of us, I know, are tired. We're frustrated. We're cynical. We're beat down because we've been fighting the wrong battles with the wrong people we've been fighting with the wrong weapon, too. That's why the writer says, and you've got one more weapon. That 
after he gives that whole list, that whole outfit of the prepared fighter of God, he tells his readers to do what? Pray. Pray. That is how you and I, as God's people, fight. So let's pray. Oh God, we have turned our lives and our hearts to you this day, expecting that you would speak to us, you would meet us where we are. And so God, as we hear your word, and as we see the image of the prepared fighter, God, we ask for everything that we need to be prepared ourselves to fight the way you fight take your truth, to take the hope we have in you, to take your word, to take your peace and your righteousness and everything that you've done, God, on our behalf, and to begin fighting the way you have already fought, to begin fighting the way you want us to, to the end that all of us would be drawn closer and closer to your will. In Jesus' name.